15 minute, I did it in 18 actually, it's just a non-stop, um, 75, 70 burpees with a push-up, 60 kettle, um, V-ups, 50 kettlebell swings, 40 chins and 30 handstand push-ups. And you break those up into sets, so 15 burpees is the oh, first, yeah. then 10 V-ups, then 10 kettlebell swings, 10 chins, 10 Handstand push-ups, then go back to the start again. Repeat that through until you've completed the number. Yeah, rock on. I remember the podcast we did last time, you talked about being an old fit dude. That really resonated with me. So I kind of look up to you being an old fit dude, you know. And I thought, well, if I'm looking that good at that age, I'm doing something right, you know. So it's always intriguing to hear what your workout schedule is. Yeah, right. I'm just getting back into it, mate. um, That COVID just put me on my ass. Um, uh, cardio-wise, fitness-wise. Yeah, I found that too. I got it pretty mild. And and I don't know whether it was because I just didn't do anything for a little while. You know, when you come back, yeah, I, I, I struggled. I had that sort of heaviness on the chest. It was yeah. hard, to, hard to work out. Yeah, I didn't know whether it was that just lack of not doing anything or a pretty mixture of both. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm just slowly getting back into it. It was a real energy sapper, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I found like I had COVID and I think I probably had a similar experience to you, but my, my main thing was just no energy yeah. for a while. I just couldn't be bothered doing anything. Yeah. Like I just felt flat yeah. and my body just felt a bit achy. Yeah. Like a post-workout ache that just didn't go away. Yeah. Just in my lower back uh, and my thighs. Yeah. It's amazing the lower back seems a common. Yeah. Lower back, a lot that, of people yeah. seem to be getting that, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was just annoying. Like it wasn't. Yeah. Like you couldn't operate with it. Yeah. I wonder and if just, that was just hung around infl- inflammation. You know, everyone's I think so. got a lower back. I think so. I think a lot of us have just wear and tear sure. in our lower backs. Yeah, and it and it just probably that. goes to those spots yeah. in your body that yeah. are maybe a little bit worn out. Yeah, maybe a bit more inflamed. Yeah, but definitely not the absolute killer bug that we've all been no. made to fear, was it? Like, no. I mean, it was really like it wasn't the worst flu I've had. I've definitely had worse flus. Like, oh yeah, I came yeah, back from yeah. Bali one time. I think we went on a trip to Bali a few years ago. Yeah. Man, I was sick after that. Yeah. Well, you probably didn't sleep for three days. I didn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. Ate crap. Didn't sleep. Yeah. Drank beers. Probably had too many uh, many things. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean. Did you use any fasting? Being the topic of our podcast today. um, Yeah, well, don't you think when you're sick, you don't feel like eating? Yeah. Generally? Yeah, I think that's your body telling you something's up. I think it is. Yeah. You need to rest. Yeah. About autophagy being one of the excellent things of fasting. Yeah. I reckon, I mean, 100%. talk about the COVID thing, I, my appetite was suppressed during that period. I didn't eat as I much. actually felt nauseous. Did you? A couple of yeah. times, so I didn't eat. But I always feel like hitting the herbal teas and yeah. just, just like warm drinks yep. yeah. is yep. a big one for me when I'm sick. Yep. Uh, even if you don't have the chills, which I didn't get, but I, I just feel like staying hydrated. So heaps of water. I drink quite a lot of uh, sparkling water. Uh, yeah, herbal tea. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yep. it always makes you feel better. Yeah, I was having the hot w- hot water, just boiled water with honey and lemon. Yeah, how good's honey? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, antibacterial. Yeah. yeah. But going back to the fasting thing, I guess that's just your body. Sorry, I won't cut you off. Uh, just that it's uh, your body's way of healing, isn't it? It's a yeah. natural way of healing. Well, it's got nothing else to focus on, really, other than getting well. Yeah. If you think about having food in your belly, your body's got to digest that process yeah. it and if yeah. it's not doing that it's got other things to focus on that's right yeah well it's a really an extra burden isn't it like when you take mm. on a yeah. big meal of food then your body has to work to metabolize that food digest it excrete it yeah. um so maybe you're busy process. trying to do other things yeah, yeah. so 
your body's really trying to fight that infection, mount a response to the, the virus or the yeah. bacteria or whatever it is that's um, causing the illness. So mm. I think we do need to listen to our bodies more. Yeah, definitely. It's probably something we're not good at because we're so conditioned to you got to eat three meals a day or yeah. for a long time there it was six meals a day, wasn't it? Like yeah, yeah. That was the ethos for a while. If you wanted to go to the gym and get big, you definitely yeah, you wanted definitely to eat six meals science. a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess um, one of the... Th- one of the things you would we can discuss later on and is the the notion that yeah you have to eat all the time and that if we can link it back to exercise we did talk about roosters exercise routine earlier so you know you can fast and exercise and you can build muscle and you're not going to be definitely catabolic you know you're, you're not going to eat all your muscle your body's not going to eat no. itself We'll talk. We can we can talk about that. And I guess if we link it to sort of ancestral man, that's what we kind of the overarching theme of the podcast is. You know, they would have they would have been doing sort of various intonations of intermittent fasting and fasting. Yeah. Well, their yeah. bodies were adapted back then for starvation. Yeah. Yeah. Our bodies yeah. aren't adapted for modern day heavy consumption of food. We're we're, we're going against everything that our body is adapted for. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think we've lost that adaption to burning fat as well. I think many, many people that follow the, the SAD diet that I think we spoke about um, last week, the standard Australian mm. or standard American diet, we're just burning carbohydrates. Yeah. Yep. And it would be very, very seldom that we would fall into actually some sort of state of ketosis and, and burning fat. So mm. well, like we've we just said, lost it. I guess we don't have selection pressures. We don't have no. that pressure to catch food anymore. To survive, to build shelter. No. None of that. I think the ancestral man, they would have gone on a hunt. Maybe they didn't find anything. Maybe they didn't eat for two or three days. Yep. Maybe they picked a few berries along the way, found a few seeds. And then when they did actually catch something, they would come back and feast. And feast. it would be yep. party time. You know? What I find interesting is, um, so we'll talk about this as we go. Like, you know, there's different um, responses from your body when through the different hours of fasting so 12 mm. 18 mm. 24 36 whatever <clears throat> i'm interested to know as to back in primeval man days their life expectancy was what 30 30 or 40 maybe very, very low you know, yeah. very very low yep. but one of the benefits of fasting is um autophagy you know mm. where your cell repair and you're, you're de- de- depleting your body of um of dead or, or um, unwanted cells, protein yeah. cells. Yeah. So I'm just I'm trying to grasp that concept of if they're fasting a lot and they're going through stages of autophagy um, and 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 like protein synthesis from you know because apparently during autophagy autophagy it's your body yeah deletes all those or removes all those um, dead unused unwanted proteins and actually protein. uses it to create new amino acids. So you actually sort of becoming healthier through the, the destruction or the removal of those dead cells. So I'm just wondering why their life expectancy was so low when they were going through all those sort of processes. I guess well, if you, you know, if there's you other factors like modern medicine and stuff like that that keeps us alive longer. But um, If you look at some of the studies that have been done on it, if they got past, I think it's about age 15, they live to our average age, which okay. is 80 plus. Yeah, right. I mean, because... They had to protect their young. They had 
they didn't have modern medicine. They didn't have modern birthing practices. If you actually made it past sort of 15 years old, you didn't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or <laughs> die during childbirth, childbirth. or accidents or whatever it might have been, yeah, their life expectancy was actually a lot longer. Yeah, right. And I guess that's probably what brings a life expectancy down. Yes. Is yep. those, um, you know, deaths at childbirth, accidents. I mean, accidents would have happened, like, you know, like, and, and getting killed. A couple of things like running that. away Yeah, from I mean, the going camp. to war, yeah. like, yeah, warring uh, tribes or, yep. or yeah. getting taken down by an animal that you're trying to hunt. Like, yep. maybe yep. you're trying to take down a tiger or... Yeah, or, or even poisoning. So, I mean, mm. at some stage, someone would have had to look at a... Trial uh, and error. A, a rock melon on the ground and yeah. said, let's eat that. Yeah. Okay? And if it wasn't something that you could eat, you're going to die. It's your turn to go first. Yeah, yeah. You, you have this one. I'll get the next yeah, one. Go and eat we'll those see. poison berries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rooster was all right. Okay, we can yeah. eat those. All right, good. Yeah. So give it to the old one first. But also yeah. I think they had less control over their Maybe they gave it to the young ones. Uh, in general. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, they couldn't really control their food supply chain like we can now. Yeah. So there might have been periods where they had excessive... Like, we know that fasting works up to a point, but I don't think anyone's recommending not eating for three weeks. I mean, maybe some people are very occasionally, but they probably also went into periods of excessive fasting and malnutrition, which we know is not good, just yep. through, um, you know, natural climatic stuff or the area that they were in or over hunting or whatever it was. Whereas now I think we can do fasting in a very precise way where we're not coming up against those challenges we can set it in a modern day context, can't exactly, we? Exactly. Um, yeah. Fasting for the modern man versus the ancestral yeah. man where they just had less control. They probably didn't have a good knowledge of um, nutrition, micronutrients, all that sort of yeah. stuff. And we've got the comfort now in our modern life to fast and know that there's going to be food at the end of the fast. I mean, yep. you can break That's a fast whenever you want. That's right. Yeah. Like I'm just doing a very mild fast at the moment. So I'm about uh, sort of 16 hours in. I'll probably go somewhere between 18 and 24 hours today. I've just had... Uh, I've had one black coffee this morning with some C8 oil, some caprylic acid, uh, and another black coffee now. But I can break that sucker whenever I want. Yeah, I, I could go to the shop. You don't have to go out and find. Two minutes away. I'm not yeah. going out and having to hunt now and try and find something and hope that it's edible. Yeah. Uh, to break that fast. To break it, mm. exactly. So it's all by choice now, Whether whereas back in the day it was really through necessity. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just talk about. Um, so do we do we all fast here? I mean, I know I'm a, yeah. I fast on a daily basis, pretty much. Yeah, I'll do. Um, so tell us what you you do. Well, I'll do probably six or seven, or five or six days a week. I like to on the weekends when the kids are around. I like to sit down and have a breakfast meal with them. But we don't rush and get up and eat it. It'll be sort of about eight thirty, nine o'clock. So we've got something to run off to, but. Every other day, it's, yeah, my last meal at night would be around about six, family meal, sit down, eat with the kids, and then don't eat again till 12, 1, 2 o'clock, probably. Some days are a little bit longer, some are a bit shorter. We can talk about that because there is a bit of science around when you should eat, but uh, that's kind of the protocol I run with. I try to break my fast with... Fats and protein. So I try to eat fats first, fats most. Kind mm. of the theory that I run with, run with. We can talk about macronutrients down the track. But that seems to work for me. It seems to work pretty well. Um, weight control, um, scheduling, it's easy Kids are running around in the morning to get ready for school. I can grab a coffee. 
talk about when we should be having coffee too, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that's 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 sort of my. So is that regime. three meals a day? I will I will squeeze two to three in yep. between twelve one o'clock and and six at night. Yeah. I have done a few longer fasts. I mean, Smithy and I have done three-day fasts mm. together. We can talk about longer ones. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're quite fun. Yeah, most definitely. You feel great. Yeah. I had a, I had a couple of issues. I um, was sitting at the table and uh, needed to run to the toilet pretty quickly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, apart from that, it felt really good. Mm. Took a couple of before and after photos. Um, yeah, there's no sort of water weight there. There's sort of been stripped back, so it's a good way to cut weight. Not that I needed to bite it or anything, but yeah, mm. it was it's pretty good. I mean, it, it's a great it, way to get rid a of a, a belly, isn't it? Like, yeah, you got yep. a bit of love handles and a bit of bit of fat around the front. Like, yep. it strips out visceral fat real yeah. quick. Yeah, uh, if you do a three dayer. Yeah, I fa- I found that I really needed to be. Um, I guess the term is fat adapted in that I changed my fuel partitioning from being predominantly carbohydrate based standard, standard diet that everyone has. You wake up, you have cereal and milk, fruit juice, lunch, you have your sandwich, you have some pasta for dinner. And that cycle could talk about the hormones and and the mechanics behind that a little bit later, but that cycle of always needing food, you know, you eat, insulin comes in, reduces your blood sugar back down to normal, and you're hungry again. Yep. Where I found that if I predominantly ate sort of fat and protein, I didn't get that that hunger issue. I was more satiated, yep. and I was able to do longer fasts without feeling hungry at all. So I can quite easily go 24 hours without eating, and I think having that sort of switch from being predominantly or mostly carbohydrate, probably upwards of 400, 500 grams a day. I wasn't really, didn't really think about that at the time, but now being sort of under 150, 100 probably, um, I just, I don't have a reliance on food. If I miss a meal or if I go out somewhere, I don't need to worry about eating. If, if the food that I like is not there, then I just won't eat. Yep. It's a little bit weird. People think it's a bit strange, but it works for me. It's yep. bloody liberating, isn't it, to mm. not have that absolute reliance on food? Like yep. people get really panicked yeah. if they can't eat mm. and you haven't fasted. It'd be like a big deal. Yep. Like, like say yep. you were flying on a plane and they just serve you absolute crap and you didn't want to eat it. People will eat that stuff because they feel like because they have to there. have a meal. Yeah, it's like this. It's like this real motivation hanging over your head, like a fear. Like mm. I've got to have a meal. I've got to stop. Yeah. Like this morning, for example, uh, I'd been quite busy. I had to get my daughter ready for school and it was just one of those busy mornings and I'd planned to fast today anyway, but I wouldn't have had time to eat. So if I had have eaten, I probably would have eaten, maybe had the wrong choice, maybe had something that was quicker to eat. Usually your quicker foods are ones that aren't as good for you. Processed stuff. Processed food, yeah, exactly. Or maybe would have just had um, like a bowl of oats or something. That's not not terrible. Uh, I, I, I still eat some oats sometimes, but... Um, it's so easy to be able to just skip a meal and still feel good. Mm. Like I think once you get the hang of it and you've done a little bit of fasting and it can be rough at the start, you don't really notice it at all. Yeah. 
I can do 18 hours and not feel hungry yeah. whatsoever. Maybe one or two little one or two minute periods of just a slight bit of hunger where you notice, oh yeah, my belly's a bit empty. But it's almost a feeling of emptiness, not hunger. Yeah. Is it yeah. hydration maybe? Yeah, look, oh, it can I think, be. I think it can it's be. a bit of water. Yes. And that the difference between the hunger sensation and needing a drink, yeah. I think are really quite similar. Yeah, and, and I think that's a common one for people mm. in general is sometimes people mistake hunger for thirst. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Rue? What are you... Yeah, I've been uh, fasting and, and doing keto for years now. Mm. Um, I've I really got into the fasting predominantly just because I, I wanted to start the keto. I wanted to try that. And my body responded really well to keto. So I, I know you've got to cycle your nutrition plans and so on, but I always sort of go back to keto. I, I just get a lot of results from it. My energy levels are up. Um, I've maintained like, – I like to try to keep a, a, a tabs on my, my body fat um, percentages. So I find that um, I, I can maintain that even as I've got older. Uh, so I, and I would recommend everyone who, who wants to consider fasting to start with um, a, a you know a short fast duration, so I started off with nine hours and then progressed it to ten, and then I went to twelve, and I just pro- progressed all the way. I, I now pretty much do on average um, a seventeen and seven. So my family and I will sit down together pretty much regimentally at seven p.m. at night and have a family meal. I won't eat again until maybe twelve o'clock the next day, uh, twelve one o'clock, and that meal is. I always have four eggs. Um, I'll have some sweet potatoes, some avocado, um, maybe a bit of kale uh, cooked up, and um, and some um, fried almonds. And I just find that that meal just uh, satiates me massively. You know, I don't, I don't need to snack. If I do need a snack between, you know, because my next meal won't be until seven, uh, it'll be you know a, a handful of nuts or something like that. Or, or sometimes I might even have ninety percent square of dark chocolate. Um, or, or some, some blueberries and a bit of yogurt. That's a, a little snack if I have to. But I'll try to have my two meals either side of that window, my, my, um, my seven-hour window, if that makes sense. But I'll never forget, this is so cool, when I, um, when I went from being full, like you were saying, CJ, about full carbohydrate-based diet and getting all my energy, like, you know, playing footy back in the day and thinking I needed to eat a muffin, you know, before a game of footy to get all those carbs into me and stuff like that and 12 wheat bix and stuff like that. You know, I, I realised that th- that wasn't really working and I, and I wanted to change it. And I, I remember it took me about a week to Is week this at the time when you were playing footy? No, 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 I'd oh, finished now. playing footy. Yeah. yeah. This is when I, um, I, I tried keto for the first yeah. time. <laughs> it took me about a week and a half to get fat adapted. Yep. And I do recall having a little bit of that keto flu where I was a little bit like yep. uh, lethargic and a bit of a headache. And it's that was just rough. my body adapting to um, not using glucose anymore and using fat and ketones for energy. And I did this workout one day and it was like I was on what I could imagine being on Drugs. Speed. No, speed. <laughs> I was, I had this workout where I had to do jumping, sprinting, um, like strength-based work, and I felt so energetic. I felt so good. It felt like I was a teenager again. And this is when I was uh, probably about 46, 45, um, and it just felt so good, and I w- I'd love to get that again, but I think my body's adapted now over the years that it just now efficiently just coasts along and utilises fat and ketones in a, in a way, but that yeah. initial adaption from carbs to keto, I, I would recommend to anyone 
to give it a go. Flick I a just switch. Felt, yeah. Yeah, it was a flick as a switch, mate. It's yeah. crazy that you say that about footy because I remember, you know, I, my my standard meal before a footy game was pancakes. You know, and yeah. I would get to the game and I would feel often. I remember running, feeling like my legs were so heavy and I had yeah. no energy. Yeah. And I thought, what? Totally agree, mate. I had the same thought as you, you know, years ago. I was, yeah, if hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? If you could go back and you knew what you know now. It's a learning process, isn't it? How good we would have been. Yeah. How good we would yeah. We would have been so good. I would have been playing games of footy on an empty stomach. Because yeah, I would have yeah. felt light. Yeah. I would have felt uh, clear in the mind. A couple of eggs maybe beforehand. Something Yeah, something a bit light. of protein base. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, the 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 heavy leg thing. I just remember that happening often. I yeah. Thought, why is this? Why is this happening? I'm I'm so fit. True. I'm, and then you get there, and it's just the the things you put in your body, the things you eat. Yeah. R- really. Yeah. Show through when you. While we're on this topic, um, my young bloke, he's fourteen, and I haven't introduced him to anything like this. Uh, but I'm watching him have, wake up, have his brekkie, have his wheat bix, or his you know Vita Brits, whatever. Um, in, a, in a bowl of milk He has a, a wrap with chicken and eggs and stuff in it for lunch And then he has um, He doesn't snack a lot But then he'll have a, our, our meal Like it'll be a fish a, a, a Meat based And then either salad or veggies And he'll eat that with us I just don't know whether To introduce that as a teenage boy mm. The concept of eliminating carbs Because I think his metabolism is He's growing Pumping Yeah um, and he's, you know, he's, he's hit puberty, you know, testosterone and all that sort of stuff. So I'm just, do you just let that sort of go? Smithy, I think you've probably got some good insight about that. We've talked about this before. Yeah, I don't think the science is really, uh, well, it's not 100% proven for anyone yet. Like they've done tons of uh, clinical trials in uh, like yeast and mice, fruit flies and mice and rats and all that sort of thing. And they're moving into uh, definitely adults and they've got some really promising results. But I think if you've, you're very old, you're over maybe 70 uh, or you're younger and you're still growing. I'm not sure the evidence is there to suggest uh, the fasting yet. Yep. I think it's more something when you're an adult and your body is the size it's going to be. For me, I think that's really the time uh, when fasting is the most beneficial. Good call. And I think when you're younger, uh, I think it's definitely not for young children. I'm not too sure about adolescence. I haven't really read uh, any studies that particularly deal with that. Yep. There probably are some out there, but... For me, I think it's more once you've attained the, the, the physical stature that you're going to have in terms of your height and your body has stopped growing, I think that is probably the time to integrate. So Good. I would say maybe start in your, in your 20s yep. and then go through till maybe 65, 70. And then I think the, the evidence for the efficacy or the, the benefit maybe drops off uh, into old age again because once we hit old age, we're really worrying about maintaining muscle mass, yep. uh, fighting off uh, sarcopenia, so age-related muscle loss. And I think that's very individual depending on what sort of body type you've got. Yeah. Uh, like me, for example, I, I find it hard to hold weight. I'm very tall and lean. So I would imagine once I hit 70 or maybe even a bit younger, fasting might become quite difficult for me uh, because you really got to make sure that you, you don't become old and frail and, and lose too much muscle. So, yeah, I think for kids, maybe hold off. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it is a little bit individual as well, but I, I just don't think the evidence is there mm. to really um, – to really yeah. guarantee you that it's going to be beneficial, whereas I think it's it's pretty strong for adults now. Yeah, yeah, that, definitely. That fasting That's is a going good to call. be beneficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're using it too, Smithy. You do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a little bit all over the place. My main goal that I'm trying to do is I don't want to eat two hours before bed. Yeah, two to three hours. 
and I don't want to eat for the first couple of hours after I wake up. So just naturally if I do that and I'm also getting, I try to get eight or nine hours sleep, what I'm really aiming for as my minimum is I just want to have a 14-hour window as my minimum uh, where I'm not getting any food and it just gives your digestive tract a rest. You're not really slipping into ketosis or anything like that, but you're just only compressing to a 10-hour window. But then on top of that, I like to mix it up also. So I'll do some um, like 18-hour stints, uh, 16-hour stints where I'll, I'll have no food. Occasionally I'll do a 24-hour uh, fast, which I'll probably do today. I'll probably just have dinner again tonight, like I had dinner last night. I feel great. And then occasionally I'll also do a fast where I might do uh, three days. I've never actually done longer than three days, and I'm quite keen to do a five-day fast, mostly because I think once you go into that really deep autophagy, which you get after about day three, I think that's really beneficial to do once in a while. And I probably would do, if I was going to do that, I might do a little bit of a fasting mimicking fast where maybe I'd have nothing, just water and a bit of salt uh, for the first three days, but then I might have a little bit of bone broth or something days four and five just to keep a few uh, little bits of fat and yeah, tiny bit of amino acids. acids coming in. Yeah, But I think those really longer fasts are beneficial and particularly if you're trying to sort of detox and just get that really deep deep benefit of that deep autophagy. So yeah, so I, I do mix it up. I don't have a, a strict thing um, that I do all the time and I think there is benefit in keeping your body guessing. I think any time you give your body a set thing that you live by and you don't change, I think it'll adapt to it. And I yeah. think sometimes there's benefit in giving it hardship in slightly different ways. So some days, and, and I do listen to my body too. So some days if I really feel quite actually hungry and I feel like I need to eat, I'll listen to that. And some days I'll just go and not eat for a day. And yeah, it's been good. I feel so good when I'm when I'm fasting. Like when I'm burning fat, the mental clarity and just the the smoothness in your energy release, I think it's unbeatable. Yeah. Like I remember at the end of the three-day fast that Chris was talking about before that we did, on the end of the third day, I, I had no hunger. I felt amazing, but I actually went and played golf. I'm a terrible golfer. Like I'm really bad. <laughs> but I actually played the best round I've ever played. Yeah, right. And my mental clarity and my temperament were just so smooth. It was it was really nice. Yeah. It's a really nice way to be from a mental point of view. I think you just get a lot of clarity and a lot of sort of uh, smoothness in in how you feel. Yeah. And that's nice. I find if I eat something high in sugar and you get that insulin spike, I find it makes your, your temperament a bit more up and down as well. Yeah. And you just don't get that when you're fat adapted and burning fat. It's just yeah. a nice way to feel. I suppose it's a good time to also point out that, I mean, you've, you've done a lot of fasting and so you – you to go into a five day fast is that your body is is already sort of prepped for it. You know, your body has been exposed to fasting. We, we probably wouldn't recommend anyone listening to this to jump into a, a five day fast, you know, or even a three day fast. You know, you really do need to prepare your body for fasting, particularly anything over three days or, you know, 24 hours even, you know. I'd, I'd say 24, yeah. 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 Baby steps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Ease, ease into it. Like you said, start with nine, go to ten. Yep. We're, we're yep. not doctors or medical professionals, no. so we... Yeah, we're just going by our own personal experiences. Yeah. 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 
And I, I think easing in and then being fat adapted, like you were talking about, nine hours is a good start because really if you sleep for eight hours, you get a good eight-hour sleep, you're fasting for eight hours. Yeah. So if you can do, like Smithy said, two or three before you go to sleep, hold off, maybe have a coffee an hour after you wake. Yeah. And you, I know a lot of people use coffee. I use coffee during a fast, black coffee, no milk. I, I don't think a little bit of milk in your coffee is going to break too much of a fast. No. However, I think the timing of having coffee during your fast is is probably good to think about. You don't want to wake up. You know, as you wake up, your body's releasing cortisol to wake you up and then probably does so for another half an hour, an hour after you're waking up. And when you're having coffee, obviously, that's doing the same thing. Sort of a chemical. Hormone. Hormone. There you go. Well, cortisol. Cortisol, yeah. Yeah, I mean, coffee being a chemical. You're adding to your body. That's increasing your cortisol. So waiting an hour to eat. Or have coffee. I think is is a good procedure, yeah. protocol. Yeah. Yeah. But th- th- I mean, there's there's heaps of protocols out there, isn't there? There's, you know, you can do one meal a day. Some people do sort of twenty four hours, eat once, eat a really big meal. Mm. I mean, that would have been a bit like ancestral man. You go out for a hunt, you bring it back, and you have a huge meal once a day. Yeah. Um, feast and famine. Feast and famine. Yeah. Um. You know, you you five and two diet. You talked about, did you, did you mention, I think you were going down the Volta Longo. Um, fasting mimicking. Fasting mimicking diet. Yeah. You know, you can do those kind of ones, five and two. Um, I haven't really yep. looked at um, Volta Longo stuff. Yeah, Volta's interesting. He's got a really good protocol and it's, I think it makes fasting a lot easier for people and it's probably a really good introduction, lead in, yep. a, a lead in. So he sells a product or he's designed a product I think one of his company's markets, I think it's called Prolon maybe, and it's a five-day... Is it like a meal plan or a meal? It's basically a box. So they send you out a whole box and it's got all your food in it for five days. But essentially, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, he's got a very set uh, list of ingredients of food you eat. It's quite high fat. Uh, I believe there's no animal products in there, so it's very low in uh, protein, so not many amino acids. And he's got all the micronutrient and sort of vitamin composition really tweaked. But essentially you eat a reasonable amount of food for five days, but it tricks your body into believing that you're still fasting. So you still will slip into autophagy. You'll get all the benefits of a fast, but you're not going through that real, like it can be a little bit of suffering when you're new to it. If, if, you're, if you're new to fasting and you do like a three-day fast, and even when you and I did that three-day fast, that was a few years ago, and I, that was my first three-dayer, there was a rough patch on day two. I felt oh, yeah, bad yeah, for uh, day two in the morning. I think we're maybe into like, what would it have been, 30 hours or 36 hours or something. There was a period, a half hour, hour there, I felt real rough. Mm. And I was like, oh, if this is going to keep up for the next <laughs> yeah, the next 36 hours, yeah. I don't know if this is going to be achievable, but you do get past it. But it's, it's, Yeah, you get to a kind of a point and then you're over the hill and it's almost I think it's that, it's switch, that switch over. Yeah. If that switch over is not, a well-trained pathway in your body where you aren't fat adapted and you're not used to burning fat, I think that can be really rough. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes yeah. to the point where it becomes seamless and people will exercise, um, you know, burning fat. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think Volta's uh, system is really good and I think especially if you're you're not used to it, I think it's going to make it more achievable for people. Yeah. And I think also he's using it in things like for cancer patients if they're doing chemo and 
people that maybe have really spiky blood sugar where they're not sort of uh, going to do too well just having nothing. So I- I've never done it. I'd be keen to try it. The only downside for me probably is that it's expensive. Mm. And one of the best things about fasting is it's free. Yeah, yeah that's right. It wrong. doesn't cost you any money. Yeah. Like how many yeah. interventions do you know in the wellness sort of biohacking world where it doesn't cost you anything? Yeah. 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 A lot of it is is incredibly expensive. So probably allows you to even pay for and buy some better quality food. Yeah. When you do it, so. In line with what you're saying there about fat adapted, I would probably recommend people get fat adapted before they start fasting. Yeah. That's just my own personal preference. Yeah. I, I, um, I just eliminated all the complex carbs out of my diet first, mm. got myself fat adapted. So I really increased my, my, my good fats in my diet. And then I, I felt that, you know, that, that change that I felt during that workout uh, that I explained earlier and then I started fasting. So my body was already sort of prepped to start utilising ketones and, and fat during those periods of not eating. I'd recommend that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea. I think however you do it, just do it in small steps. Yeah. So like for people, I recommend just just do my very first step, which I like, which is just don't eat before bed for a couple of hours. Yeah. Don't eat for a couple of hours when you wake up and then build on that. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Start eating a higher percentage of Fats for your macronutrient breakdown and go from there. Yeah. Another one of the um, big names in fasting that has done a lot of research on fasting, Sachin Panda. Yeah. So he, what what he's found, I think it was uh, he did a study on mice or rats. There was sort of four groups. Um, one group was given a high fat diet and they could eat whenever they wanted. There was another group that was given high fat but in a time-restricted period. Um, what they found with oh, – and then there was two other groups. Um, one could eat uh, yeah, whatever they wanted. The other one had it in a – they could eat whatever they wanted but it was in a time-restricted way. And what they found was the, the markers – of health and longevity were better for both of the groups that had a time restricted on them. Mm. So then they've done those, I think they're trying to do those studies on humans um, and they've you know, maintained or lost weight. Their markers of metabolic disease went down, blood sugar went down, um, blood pressure went down. So there is evidence out there that it is helpful for people. Oh. Mice. Yeah. M- mice at least. Definitely. Well, like type 2 diabetes, cancer, neurodegenerative stuff, cardiovascular risk factors, yeah. it influences all those in a positive way. And all you have to do is think about how you're going to consume your food, even if you eat the same amount of calories, which I think was the crux of that study, wasn't That's it? Right, yes, so like yeah. one of the groups of mice that was in a time-restricted fashion, yep. then one of the groups of mice that could have it whenever they want, even if they were consuming the same amount of calories over 24 hours, there was a massive benefit in the ones that did it in a smaller window. That's right, yeah. So yeah, okay. so even if you don't want to go on a diet, you want to keep eating exactly what you eat, just do it in a shorter window, mm. um, you're going to get the benefits. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, calories in, calories out still holds true a little bit. I mean, mm. that that's biochemistry, right? It's not going to It's not going to yes. change. But I think the way you eat or – the, the time you eat in – if you look at that study anyway, it suggests that th- there's more to it than calories in, calories out. There's sort of 
exactly. hormone stuff. There's you know, blood glucose, insulin releasing. Um, you know, if, if it's if it's reducing your blood pressure, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah. And blood pressure and high resting blood glucose are good indicators for mel- metabolic disease. So, if if those are coming down, like you say, it's one it's one intervention that you can make is that is free and it, it can have some really huge health benefits. And there's um those <coughs> excuse me those records of people uh, who've been diagnosed with cancer going on to fasting mm. as well. Um, when I when I initially started doing a bit of research on the fasting. Um, I read this thing where uh, around the 48-hour mark, uh, you know, 48 hours to 72 hours of fasting increases the production of stem cells. And I didn't really know much what uh, about stem cells and what they were, but they're basically cells with no defined purpose. Mm-hmm. So your body creates these cells that don't have a purpose within your body at all, but if if they are given the chance to produce, they are then used for healing purposes. So the production of stem cells can actually uh, increase your healing. Um, so say you've got, I don't know, a, a cancer in a particular organ of the body, those stem cells will will go to that, that site and produce cells but familiar or we'll, we'll base it around that organ. I found that really interesting. Mm. Um and beyond 72 hours, the production of stem cells drastically increases as well. Yes. Uh, then you've got, um, you know, just the whole uh, shrinkage of, of tumours and stuff like that that have been reported. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting um, concept when you put it towards an Ill- illness like cancer. Yeah. I, th- I think cancer has – I think fasting in cancer – or, or treating cancer with fasting is is really promising, and there's probably really good research out there. But tumors really need sugar to grow. Yeah, yeah, right. So I mean, if you're really cutting out and you're really strictly cutting out, like if I had cancer, I would really, really strictly go onto a, a ketogenic diet. Yeah. Because you want to really minimise the amount of glucose that's available to those cancer cells to grow. Yeah, okay. There's a great book called Tripping Over the Truth. Mm. Uh, Travis Christofferson, I think, is the guy that wrote it. Um, kind of goes goes through the uh, history of cancer drugs and how they kind of initially found chemotherapy drugs. Um, but he, he said it, he, his kind of takeaway was, you know, if what, what, would, you, what would you do if you got cancer? And he, he was saying, yeah, yeah. fasting, ketogenic diet. Um, I think they call it the metabolic theory of cancer. Um, that cancer needs sugar to survive. If you starve it of that, it's a pretty good book. It's it's quite interesting. You wouldn't think that that kind of topic is pretty yeah. heavy. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm. I think he also talked about hyperbaric oxygen and vitamin C, intravenous vitamin C, and things like that. Tons of good stuff. Ozone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Although a lot of that is getting sort of uh, <laughs> getting deep. Yeah, it's getting deep, and also I think things like uh, intravenous vitamin C therapy and yeah, that sort of stuff is a little bit frowned upon in the conventional yeah. medical establishment. For me, I would be chasing it if I had cancer personally. Oh, you'd try yeah. anything, wouldn't you? Yeah, I absolutely would. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I found it interesting also just with um. Sorry, mate, cut you off. No, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> just with the the production of growth hormone as well. So even just after the first twelve hours of fasting, <clears throat> and I found this interesting because 
you know, I like to maintain muscle. I like to train and, and, and um, you know, strength training and so on. And I, I do know some guys who supplement or inject themselves with growth hormone. And I've never done it. Uh, probably can't afford it. I probably would because there are benefits to it. Mm. But uh, after 12 hours of fasting, your body increases its own production of growth hormone. So you, I mean, you try telling a bodybuilder <laughs> or yeah. a guy who's you know, really into it uh, that you, know, you should really fast to increase yeah. your own growth hormone. You'd be like, what? I'm going to have a protein shake yeah. in two hours. Well, that's, that's one of the criticisms of fasting, isn't it? Is that you, know, you, can't, you can't exercise on it. You can't build any muscle. Um, you know, you're going you're to be catabolic. Your body's going to eat your That's eat yeah. muscle, it's totally the opposite because around well, within 24 hours, you're actually increasing your protein synthesis. And like we said before, delete, depleting all those dead proteins and creating new amino acids. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend exercising or working out for a, on a fast more than 48 hours. Um, you know, maybe mild walking or maybe something like that. Gentle exercise. Gentle yeah, exercise. A very slow jog or a walk. Exactly. Like nothing that. strenuous. Um, Might be rough. Yeah. I think there is some really good research. I don't have it on the top of my head. I can probably find it. We have show notes. I can throw it in there. But if you, when we're talking about exercise, you know, what are we exercising for? We want to, we want a homeostatic benefit, right? We want to do some exercise and then adapt and become better for the next time we do those exercises. So mm-hmm. if you are fasting and we're getting the benefit of growth hormone from the fast and you do some heavy strength exercise, some resistance training, high intensity training. What happens after that training is, you know, you get a release of testosterone and growth hormone. If we then go and eat straight away, you know, eating releases cortisol. That blunts the effect of both the testosterone and the growth hormone. So it's sort of, counter in counter productive productive is the word i'm looking for yep yeah to be eating directly after a meal and i know you know the bro science is you've got to you've got to get your protein in that anabolic window they call it you know you've got to have 20 you've got to get that food in straight away otherwise that workout was useless which really makes no sense and the best source of getting that protein in is a protein Protein, shake manufactured by oh yeah (laughs) pea protein (laughs) because it's barely nice whey protein yes it's faster absorbed if it's a protein shake yeah yeah Yeah. which you know when you think about it that's really not ideal i actually think the best time to exercise is when you're in a fasted state definitely wait for a little while after you've exercised yeah really get those benefits Maybe even wait like an hour or two and then refeed yep. and refeed well. Yeah. Getting protein, amino acids, good fats. That's yeah. You know, and really refuel with the right stuff. Yeah. You might and even I think you're turbocharging the benefits of your fast. Yeah. You might even use a little bit of carbohydrate at that point. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You, we still have to have some. Well yeah. you're always gonna have some carbs. Yeah. You I can't mean, eat a zero carb diet. Yeah, and it's interesting, on a Friday night, um, our family has a homemade pizza night. And she, you know, generally um uh, my wife will make uh the bases out of dough and stuff, uh, gluten-free, all that sort of stuff. But I often find the next morning on Saturday morning, and then I'll often do a full fast on a Saturday, but Saturday morning I'll wake up and my muscles are full. They are bloated. So after a whole week of fasting, um, high-protein, high-fat eating, I then had that Friday night of a pizza night, uh, and then the next morning I'll wake up and I my muscles feel a lot fuller than they were during the week. Now, I don't know whether that's just like the carbs 
kicking in and, and the muscles responding to that. Well, muscles store glucose, don't they? Yeah, I guess it's a, a refueling or refilling of the muscles of, of that. And it just there's a stark difference that I feel and that I, I can notice as well when I look in the mirror. Mm. Do, you, do you really look forward to Friday nights? <laughs> yeah, I love them. <laughs> it's just, it's all the wine down as well, you know. Yeah, and yeah, we, of course, yeah. I, mean, I love my red wine. We'll have a you know, pizza and a couple of glasses of red. Mm. Uh, I think you've also, you know, talking about all these commitments with nutrition and training, you've still got to live life, you know, and oh, yeah. enjoy yeah. enjoy a nice red and a bit of chalky and, you know, it's just all, we've spoken about this before about balance. Of course, you've got to have balance. The 80-20 rule. I th- did, we, did you talk about that last <laughs> podcast? Yeah, 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 I, I think so. that's that's a pretty good way to live your life. You could do a whole podcast on that, couldn't mm. you? You're, yeah. you're going to fail if you try and be strict all the time. Yeah. yeah. You're going to yeah. fail. Yeah, and that's probably why most people fail those mainstream diet plans. Mm. Yep. You know, you've, you've really got to, and we're talking about, you know, keto and even all the other nutrition plans, they're not um, short duration things. They are, they become a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle, it's not a, a short duration diet in effect to lose weight or, or you know, get 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 skinny for the wedding and that sort of thing you're choosing a nutrition plan that you that suits your lifestyle and that you can sort of adopt and practice for the rest of your life yeah make more good choices than bad choices yeah and it's going to work out in the long run isn't it and yeah find out what works for you yeah because everyone's c- a little bit different so um, yeah. yeah should we talk about eating then we've, we've talked about fasting and you know the benefits you can't really have fasting without eating no, but just what, before we go, just on that point about um, choosing a, a plan, uh, I just think people uh, need to make a decision as to why they want to fast. And a lot of, a lot of people go into fasting thinking that it's going to strip them of their body fat uh, and make them look fitter and, and, and toner. Which you can do. Th- definitely, and that is one good side effect, but just don't um, ignore all those excellent um, health benefits that are happening inside that you probably don't know. You know, all the anti-aging, all the cell uh, reproduction, all the, um, you know, the, the, the healing and the, and the, um, the, the decrease in inflammation. Yeah, it's, um, it's got some massive health benefits yeah. to it. Like, like anti-aging, like you will live longer if you practice some form of fasting. Yeah. You just yep. will. So you're going to go in, you're going to hit autophagy at times, you're going to be cleaning up your senescent cells, which are your sort of old broken down cells, which are pro-inflammatory, releasing cytokines, which you probably all heard about during the COVID thing, these cytokine storms. Yep. Explain so that, th- mate. Explain that, cytokines. Uh, so, well, like, in the context of COVID, we have this cytokine storm, which is this inflammatory storm, oh, yeah. which basically goes through and wreaks havoc through, through your whole body and damages all your organs and can lead yep. to death. Mm-hmm. But basically cytokines are like a pro-inflammatory thing that cells can release. And, and it's usually fat cells that release cytokines. Okay. But w- which might be one of the reasons why people who are heavy and have more body fat are more affected by COVID because you can actually release yeah. more, more cytokines through your fat cells. But as we age and cells get damaged, we do get these uh, senescent cells in our body. And they're basically cells. They're not really metabolically active anymore. They're not really doing their function they're kind of dead cells. They're right? kind of yeah. dead cells, but they're still floating around. They're still in there. They don't serve a purpose, and they're actually increasing as we age. And what they're doing is they are a pro-inflammatory cell, so they're, rec- they're increasing your amount of inflammation in your body. So if we're practicing fasting, doing autophagy, autophagy is obviously the process autophagy, so self-eating, 
You're going to go through and eat and clean up some of these cells. You're going to break them down back into their building blocks, which are amino acids. Ooh. You're either going to use those amino acids to make energy or you're going to use those amino acids as building blocks to build new functional cells. So the anti-aging benefits there are massive. You're going to increase the amount of uh, NAD, like an energy molecule in your body. Uh, NAD is what the mitochondria use to make ATP, which bodybuilders would realise is you know, what makes our muscles contract and yep. what keeps us alive. So if we're fasting, we are increasing NAD, which drops off as we age. We're getting rid of these senescent cells. Uh, we're activating genes... Um, which will switch on pathways which are going to help um, in a number of different ways. We're going to build more mitochondria. So it's it's incredibly powerful and it's something that I think everyone should should try and embrace. Yeah, and just the, the, the benefits of, of ketones uh, yeah. in your body to, for health, uh, heart health and brain health. Yeah, clean burning energy. Yep. We don't always need to have carbohydrates in our body. We can no. make carbohydrates. Absolutely. Gluconeogenesis. Yep. So, it's so sort of, even yeah. if you are exercising and fasting, I, th- I think I think it's about about eight hours that you can restore or restock your muscle stores of glycogen, mm. glucose, um, from just making it yourself. Yeah, gl- gl- gluconeogenesis. Well, like exercise and fasting really have a lot of similarities. It's a slight hormetic, like it's a stressor Mm. on your body. So you're stressing your body to a certain extent. Our bodies are designed to operate under adversity. So even if it's like uh, exposure to heat, like in a hot sauna, or you're exercising, or you're fasting, you're getting this mild stressor. It's telling your body, hey, um, you know, switch on these these pathways because of adversity. So we're going to stop focusing on growing for a second, and we're going to focus on uh, efficiency and wellness, and that's going to have really, really positive effects. So. Mm. If you're putting the two together, exercise and fasting, I think that's really a recipe for some really mm. uh, positive changes in your health. Yeah. Before we go, what would you recommend be a good protocol to start with? So if, if someone's never fasted before in their life, what's a good way to get into it? 14 and 10. Yep. Very first week, very first two weeks. Just have 14-hour window. Don't 14 hours? Yeah. yeah, I'd probably just yeah start off um, – with a, a minimal amount of hours that you think you can handle. Yeah. And then go to that and then extend it. Eat when you're hungry in the morning. I, I think utilising the eight hours of sleep is pretty good. Yeah. There's eight hours of fasting yep. right there. I think Smithy mentioned it before, you know, no food a couple of hours before bed. So you're going to eat your, eat your dinner. You could have a big meal. A couple of hours before you go to bed, eight hours sleep and maybe an hour after you wake up. Yeah. I know the um, 18 and 6, so 18 hours of fasting and 6-hour eating window is, is a recommended uh, ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even even though I'd still probably start off a little bit less than that, and also recommending anyone who's fasting to just ensure they drink a lot of water during that fast and also keep their salts the salt. and minerals yeah, up. Yeah, salt's a big one when you're fasting. Mm. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, your magnesium, you might need to buy a couple of supplements um, to, to accompany your, your fasting period uh, because, yeah, you, you're, not, you're not consuming those, those nutrients and your, your body still needs them for function. So. Inter- interestingly, the one issue that I had with fasting, I'd bend over and as I'd stand up, I'd get 
really lightheaded. Bit of postural hypotension. Mm. Mm. So adding salt got rid of that. It's a bit of a treat as well. Salt, yeah. yeah. I, f- I found like a day three of my fast, it's not hard in the sense that you're hungry, but it's it's your brain's used to putting food in your mouth. Yep. Put in a couple of little grains of rock salt. It's like a little treat for you. Yeah. Have some water with it Suck or some herbal tea. Boys. That's a bit of flavour. Yeah. Yeah, when, um, when I say salt, I'm not talking about normal table salt that you see in the in the you know white container. It's proper sea salt or I usually have like the pink, rock salt. Uh, Himalayan rock salt or something yep. like that. You yep. can crunch it up. It's like you're chewing something Ooh. up. Yeah, it's, um, it's a psychological thing because there's, there's definitely a big psychological component uh, to fasting. Mm. Definitely, yeah. It's it's a bit of a you know it's a bit of a head fuck. Yeah, mm. you yeah. used to putting stuff in your mouth and you don't do it for three days. It's really weird. Mm. Yep, especially and people the, around you are eating and the the ritual <laughs> of sitting down for a meal with your family. So when we did that fast, I, I had a bit of bone broth and I'd sit down, you know, putting something in your mouth. It's odd, especially for young kids. You know, Dad, what are you, you're not eating? It's yeah. a bit weird, yep. you know. So that whole ritual of, you know, sitting down yeah. was different to what the rest of the family were eating. But yep. having s- something yep. psychologically, I think, helps too. And the uh, the increase in thirst, will mm. people will find that the first time they start fasting. So that's the importance of water. To, to drink it before you get thirsty, obviously, like any normal situation, but you will find that you become thirsty and more parched during your fast. Mm. So it's so important just to maintain your water levels and, and yeah, obviously not going too extreme to that and, and your salt levels as well. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, man. Good stuff. Um, that was yeah. uh, that was good. I think that was yeah. a good introduction to fasting. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll revisit that in the future. Yeah. yeah. Maybe share a few experiences if any of us do any crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. Fasts. And like we said before, we're not doctors. We're not no. giving medical advice. We're yeah, just, no. just giving our own personal sort of anecdotal sort of advice and what we've researched over our own time, yeah. you know, to prepare yeah. ourselves for, for trying something a bit different. Encourage people to go and do their own research, find out about it. Definitely. And then, yeah, do what's right for them. Yeah. yeah, do what feels good for you. Try out a few different ways. Listen to your body. Listen to your body. That's the most important thing always. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Beautiful. Good Good note to finish on, Smitty. Yeah, good stuff. See you guys next week. All right. See you, lads. See ya.